Welcome to Pure Nonfiction, the podcast interviewing documentary filmmakers. I'm Tom Powers, the documentary programmer for the Toronto International Film Festival and artistic director of Doc NYC. On this episode, we discuss D.A. Pennebaker's 1970 documentary, Original Cast Album, Company, and the new parody it inspired from the IFC TV series, Documentary Now. This podcast has an all-star cast, along with Pennebaker. There's Documentary Now writers Seth Meyers and John Mullaney, Broadway stars Renee Elise Goldsberry and Alex Brightman, and several other figures behind both productions. For background, let's start with original cast album Company. At the time it was made, Pennebaker had established himself with groundbreaking music documentaries like Don't Look Back and Monterey Pop. He had also filmed on Broadway with Jane Fonda for the film Jane. In 1970, Stephen Sondheim was making a sensation with his new Broadway musical Company, a comic look at relationships and marriage. Following Broadway tradition, the cast was assembled in a studio to make a record album of the show. Pennebaker was hired to film it. Listen, everybody, look, I don't know what you're waiting for. A wedding, what's a wedding? It's a prehistoric ritual. Everybody promises fidelity forever, which is maybe the most horrifying word I've ever heard, which is followed by a honeymoon. Well, suddenly you realize you saddled with another one to kill me, which you should. Thanks a bunch, but I'm not getting married. Go have lunch, because I'm not getting married. You've been grand, but I'm not getting married. Don't just stand there. I'm not getting married. And don't tell Paul, but I'm not getting married today. Pennebaker filmed with his partner Richard Leacock and cameraman Jim Desmond, capturing 18 hours of continuous recording as the cast members, performing with a full orchestra, struggle to record Sondheim's difficult songs. In the film, actress Susan Browning describes the pressure. Oh, it's harder to sing here. Well, first of all, you're dancing on the stage so that you're all loose and it's easy and, and, and everything goes together. And you try to be perfect on the stage, but it's different. The moment passes by. But this is the definitive. It's the end-all and the be-all of this song. And God, (laughs) I could drive a person crazy. You could drive a person crazy. You could drive a person mad. First you make a person hazy. So a person could be hard to do. Then you leave a person dangling. The documentary has become a treasured classic among Broadway fans, partly for Sondheim's music, but also for being a time capsule of 1970s fashion and for the commentary in the recording booth. We get to see inside the bubble of Broadway legends. Here's Sondheim, dressed in a brown turtleneck, cigarette in hand, speaking to camera. Well, I've always felt um, uh, slightly resentful of the fact that uh, uh, nobody took me seriously as a composer or only thought of me as a lyric writer, but really it's a matter of circumstance. I agreed to do lyrics in West Side Story because it was my first chance to do something professional in the theater, actually my second, but the first one hadn't panned out. As the cast records multiple takes of each song, the recording session extends well past midnight. You could drive a person crazy, take ten. Final performer to record in the wee hours is Elaine Stritch with the show stopping number Ladies Who Lunch. 
Here's to the girls who play white. Aren't they too much? Keeping house but clutching a copy of life just to keep in touch. The ones who follow the rules and meet themselves at the schools too busy to know that they're fools. To the average listener, Stritch may sound like she's delivering what's expected of her gravelly voice. But Sondheim wants something more. The last quarter of the film becomes suspenseful over whether they'll achieve it. The ladies who lunch take eight. That was nearly 50 years ago. Today, Pennebaker's documentary is currently out of distribution. The good news is the film is being restored for a fresh release next year, according to Fraser Pennebaker, who manages his father's catalog. Last week, I had the chance to present a rare theatrical screening of the film at the IFC Center. It was a double feature with a new parody. Good evening. I'm Helen Mirren, and you're watching Documentary Now, Season 52. Documentary Now was created by a team of Saturday Night Live veterans, Seth Meyers, Bill Hader, Fred Armisen, and director Reese Thomas. Each episode is a spoof of a classic documentary presented like it was part of a long-standing TV series. Past seasons include renditions of Grey Gardens, Stop Making Sense, and The War Room. The series is now in its third season. Their take on Pennebaker's film is called Original Cast Album Co-op, set in a New York co-op apartment building. It's Bozart's under scaffolding. Co-op. The staff can't do anything. Co-op. But they might still strike this spring. That's the gossip at the mail drop. Here in our co-op. When you watch Company and Co-op back-to-back, you marvel at scene-for-scene comparisons. For example, here's a moment from Pennebaker's Company when Stephen Sondheim gives a note to singer Beth Howard on her pronunciation of a Yiddish word. Well, let's hear you say it. Booby. That's it. Booby. But when I sing it, it goes, Bobby, baby, Bobby, booby, Bobby. No, it's Booby. Bobby, baby, Bobby, booby, Bobby. Booby. Bobby, baby, Bobby, booby, Bobby. Supposing you had to say Goody, how would you say that, Bobby? Goody. Yeah. Bobby, baby, Bobby, Goody. Bobby, baby, Bobby, booby, Bobby. That's it. That's it. It's exactly the same, same vowel sound as good. Exactly the same vowel sound as good. Booby. First lips, booby. Bobby Booby. Really. Bobby Baby Bobby Booby Bobby. No, you're, you're still doing it. Say Goody. Goody. Say Booby. That's it. Exactly as if we're Goody. Now, I know you're going to sing Goody this time, but nevertheless. <laughs> On Documentary Now, John Mullaney plays a Sondheim caricature, giving feedback to a singer played by Renee Elise Goldsberry. Uh, you've been doing something wrong for about three weeks, and it's been annoying me. I wanted to talk to you about it right now. Uh, let's see here. Uh, it's a New York soap opera, and for love, stay tuned. It's a New York soap opera, and for love, stay tuned. It's a New York soap opera, and my heart is ruined. Nope, it's... ruined. And my heart is what? Ruined. The word is ruined. 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 And 
R-U-I-N-E-D. There's only one way to say it. Ruined. Ruined. Okay, supposing I asked you in the past tense, how did you kill a whale? Is this a riddle? No, it's a simple question. How do you kill a whale? I'm really intimidated by you right now. You harpoon it, right? Now say that in the past tense. Harpooned. Right, now take off the H and the A and the R. Pooned. Now switch that P with an R. Ruined. Yeah, you've got it now. Mulaney, known for his work on Saturday Night Live and his own show Mulaney, is a devoted fan of company. To listen to the album company, to watch the documentary uh, original cast album, you're seeing some of the most talented people in the world. It's, they're psychotically talented. Just in their acting in the recording studio while they're recording the album. I mean, it's exceptional. You're so much more talented than everyone else. Because I never, I never like when people go like, what are you parroting or what are you taking on? Because I'm like, no, no, I love that documentary and I love company more than anything. I think I made this so that I could meet everyone. <laughs> so that's the background. Now we're going to hear further reflections from the cast and crew of both the original and the parody. Last week, the two films were shown together for pure nonfiction at IFC Center with many of the creators on stage and in the audience. At the end of Pennebaker's film, they finally give up on recording Ladies Who Lunch because everyone is so tired. The film ends with Elaine Stritch coming back on a different day to finally nail the song. So here's to the girls on the go. Everybody tries. Look into their eyes and you'll see what they know. Everybody dies. A toast to that invincible bunch. The dinosaur surviving the crunch. Let's hear it for the ladies who lunch. Everybody That's one hell of a good take. I want you to come in and listen to it. Pennebaker is now 93 years old. When the screening of Company ended, his mind was on Stritch, who passed away five years ago. When I saw uh, Elaine, just because she was such an important person in our lives, and to see see her singing that song, and that was the first time I ever heard it. And I was in close to the mics, and I was afraid I was going to hit a mic with a camera. And I knew Shepard would throw me right out if I did. So I was, I was in a terrible turmoil. But she just, God, she gets to me. I just felt, I loved her. She was such a wonderful person. And, I, and watching her do this was, I don't know, I was, it, it got, I, I was crying. Pennebaker was originally commissioned to film company by Daniel Melnick with the idea that it would become a TV series filming Broadway cast albums. But Melnick soon got a job to run MGM, and the series idea was dropped. Company was the only one made. I was told at the beginning that, that there were going to be a lot of these shows, and, and we would probably be able to shoot them. And, it, and there never was another one. And so it was kind of a... Uh, I mean, I, I, I didn't get... Uh, 
I, I didn't get wealthy doing this film, I'll tell you. Uh, but you know, I just loved, I loved the way Steve dealt with music so much that I, I felt so strongly about the music that it was, I would have done it for nothing. It was really, uh, and, and I ended up doing it for nothing. <laughs> but that was all right. I, I, I did a lot of things for nothing. <laughs> That's Terry Ralston performing in company. She was in the IFC Center audience with several other cast members, plus orchestrator Jonathan Tunick, sharing their memories. Terry Ralston here with a cold. I'm glad I'm not singing tonight and watching it. <laughs> it my Lord, what memories. It's, it's shocking to know how many years ago that was. And um, just a, a serious note, um, unfortunately, we've lost so many of our cast members. Um, we truly were family. There were only 16 of us, and we've all stayed very, very close over the years. And so, you know, uh, thoughts for, for those that aren't with us. And what a joy. Thank you, guys. This was delightful. Hi, Donnie Vaughn. I remember that it was such a long day. Um, it started out, we all looked so great. And by the end of the day, we had on no makeup. Our hair had all fallen down, and we were sitting around rather listlessly. But I will also say something that the three of us who had dinner together tonight were talking about. We actually knew that company was something special. When we first heard the score, when we were out of town in Boston and Jonathan Tunick was our champion with uh, putting the sound together that the vocal minority had, we knew immediately that it was something very different that was a, ch a changer, a changer in the world of uh, musical theater and Broadway and it's always been very special for us. Hi, Marilyn Saunders. I was the baby in the cast, and it was my first Broadway show, and I was working with Stephen Sondheim, and Hal Prince, and Jonathan Tunick, and Michael Bennett, and all these people, and it was, it was an unbelievable experience. It was really just unbelievable, and making of the album was tiring, and exhilarating, and frustrating, and fun, and Seeing it again, it just brings us right back. Uh, Jonathan Tunick. We, 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 were, we were mostly Tyros on this show. We were all beginners. Um, I, I remember sitting in the darkened theater in Boston watching run-throughs and thinking to myself, uh, there's Michael Bennett and there's Hal Prince and there's Stephen Sondheim. What am I doing here? Um, I, as you can imagine, over the years, I've done a lot of cast albums, ma many of them with Tom Shepard. And I think, I think he'll uh, agree with me that uh, most of them are very calm and systematically produced affairs, um, and not dramatic at all. Uh, this, this one was quite unusual from that point of view and, and many others. One memorable character in Pennebaker's documentary is the record producer Tom Shepard, with a silk ascot tied round his neck. He has the challenge to keep the session running on time. 
Looking at the schedule, and I think you should know, hi Elaine, that I think we're going to finish roughly at four in the morning. He often takes an arch tone with cast members. Everybody's throwing things at you, you poor kid. All right, it works. fidelity. A little hard to understand. Yeah, I know. Okay, you know that one. Okay, and you're going to be big on the amen, especially the first, which I've got to hear. And you're not going to wiggle. After watching the film again, Shepard had this to say. Hi, t- Tom Shepard. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. Um, you know, you, you learn as the years go by. Um, we were recording for 18 and a half hours, and what you saw with Elaine Stritch was 17 hours in, and what you also saw was a producer who was so exhausted and probably so pissed off that he lost all his sense of tact, and I treated her very badly. Uh, you don't get the best out of people by putting them down. So it would, seeing this documentary is a very good lesson to remind me that the role of the producer is to try to get the best out of people, you know, and not to, to hit them when they're down. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Sitting on stage with Pennebaker and cameraman Jim Desmond were several members from Documentary Now, including co-op writers Seth Myers and John Mullaney and director Alex Buono. You'll also hear actor Richard Kind jump in with a quip. I asked Myers how they decided to focus on company. Alex and Reese, our other director, are very good at picking ones or pointing us towards styles we haven't done yet. And But this was really, well, I defer to John Mulaney, who wanted to do this for a long time. And, but has, I mean, this is, yeah. And I, and I also want to say to DA, so you feel better, we're also not making any money. <laughs> <laughs> With documentary now. <laughs> but I can it, second that. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, uh, uh, you know, I should also point out that, uh, just to speak to, uh, we, we've only done three seasons. This is our second uh, DA uh, documentary uh, because we also did The War Room. And uh, and yeah. so uh, as a style, it's really uh, one that we like doing. And uh, but, uh, but yeah, John should speak about his love for, for, uh, for company. Yes, uh, from the first season, I think, I, I pitched it, and, and, and you guys responded well to it. Uh, I don't know if everyone had seen it uh, between uh, Fred and Bill and you, but um, I uh, have loved uh, company original cast recording for a long time. I uh, grew up in Chicago, so I saw some Broadway shows that came to town, but mainly I had albums. So uh, I've, and uh, In fact, I've only recently seen some of these shows. Like I saw, uh, is it was it John Doyle's company uh, 10 years ago? 10 years ago or something? Yeah, that was the first time I'd seen it staged, so I didn't even know the narrative of it. I was like, oh, wow, oh, so, oh, yeah, they, you know. But the, this, this documentary in particular um, then had a lot of resonance for me. I don't know how you feel, Seth, uh, or Alex. Uh, working at Saturday Night Live, uh, this that captures what it's like working there more than anything else, which is it's four o'clock in the morning and you're with very talented people that you love and you all kind of want to kill each other. <laughs> and you can't make your face smile if you tried. But then the end product uh, sometimes is great. Um, and But just that, people walking around like that and just... 
like that and 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 we i i at least smoked in the uh, 30 rockefeller building uh because we did what we wanted up on the 17th floor so it felt very much like that i'd be in like a smoke filled room with bobby moynihan and we'd both just be like this is oh, we're, uh, i want to kill everybody um and uh so beyond being a huge Stephen Sondheim fan, uh, this that it just captures something about working with people and in New York City very, very late at night. Co-op's director, Alex Buono, and the show's co-creator, Reese Thomas, come from a background on Saturday Night Live, where they create the non-live segments, like commercial spoofs. The SNL experience has been great training for the directors, to mimic different documentary styles on a quick timeline. I asked Buono to explain his process. I, By the way, I am just enjoying the hell out of this. I can't even believe uh, being on stage with DA and Jim and actually seeing some of the, the yeah, and the cast members and Tom Shepard, it, it's, it's really incredible uh, for us. Um, I think one of the, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sort of not answering your question right now, but, but <laughs> I mean, you know, the thing about making this show is that everybody who makes this show, and I think everybody, you know, you guys who come in and make the show with us, I mean, there's such a deep love of documentary films and of these specific documentary films, and it's, this is probably the first time, I mean, this is the first time when we've had a event like this, a screening like this, where, like, the actual film is sort of, like, walking off the screen, and we're actually able to meet them, so <laughs> it's, uh, it, I have a weird sort of starstruck feeling tonight, but... Um, yeah, so uh, timeline-wise, I mean, uh, the, the all, this all happens very, very fast, um, faster than I think we'd like. Um, but, you know, that's the, the, this is a show that, we, you know, it, it doesn't cost a lot, and so the upside of that is that we have a tremendous amount of creative freedom, which is, I think, I think we'll take. Um, but we shot this episode in, in two days. Um, it, was, and it, was, it was probably more about, a, like, a day and a half. Um, uh, our average uh, episode, you know, we, we, we spend about three and a half days per episode. Um, some episodes need a little more time. Uh, the, the episode that airs tomorrow night, there's two episodes. The Wild Wild Country uh, two-parter called Batshit Valley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, needed a little extra time. And so this was one, because it's, you know, one location and just a bunch of people together, we felt like we could do it a little faster. I'm trying to relax, but instead I keep finding that I'm sweating from my brow and my teeth won't stop grinding and my mouth was as dry as the sand of the Sahari, so I miscalculated and I jugged down a sherry. The whole room is spinning and I want to take a knee, but instead I'll sneak a bump as I hide behind the tree. I'm really very sorry that I can't stop talking. I'm so very sorry for my chirping and my squawking, but the fact of the matter is I did a little cocaine tonight. That's Alex Brightman in co-op. He's a Broadway veteran who starred in School of Rock and appears in the new musical Beetlejuice. I asked about his experience filming co-op. Uh, this was, I came I back from my honeymoon and opened my email to something that looked like an audition for Documentary Now, and I ran around my house uh, with delight and then saw the word offer <laughs> and nearly passed out. Because <laughs> um, not only am I a huge fan of the show anyway, but I'm a huge fan of everyone a part of it, um, and I'm an enormous fan of musicals, and it's how I make money. Um, and it's, so it just, it all came together in this way that was truly, in my head, just one of those like moments that you don't forget. Um, I had seen, like a lot of theater dorks, the, the documentary uh, on YouTube. You know it's on YouTube? 
And so I was a huge fan of it. And then I've recorded cast albums. I've been on a couple, and it is exactly still the same. It's just high. It's just high. A little couple higher budgets and different technology, but all of that's the same. It's so much stress. You bang it out so hard for like 24 hours. It's it's tw it's two. It's over the course of two days, but it's two long sessions usually, and it's unrelenting. And it is like you know, can we do the another take? And it's been eight, and they just need to punch in some things, but then the actor in you sometimes, or some people, some people that like to waste time, go, I can do the whole thing again. And they go, sure, we'll take that, because they're paying you a lump sum of money. So um, it is just as stressful, it's just as fun. But it also, there's that, there's a moment in there where he really says, like, this will be the thing that is recorded. He keeps stressing that. And you keep forgetting that until someone brings that up, that it is forever going to be a thing. You don't record another one, usually. Um, I've heard stuff that I've done on albums that I wince at, and it's very personal. Uh, but this was super fun to do, and also super fun to do a period piece. And in the current climate, I was like super happy to go back to like the 70s. That was like super fun. Welcome home, Mr. and Mrs. What is this? I'll tell you, this is just a package I've been holding. It's addressed to Mrs. Goldstein. What a co-op, what a lobby. Every slob is acting snobby. But you take a tip from Robbie, you should tip your doorman. That's co-op cast member Richard Kind, known for his role in the Amazon series Red Oaks. On stage with Pennebaker, Kind marveled at what takes place in a cast album recording. You, you got 24 hours to create the history that we all know. This is what we know. So that when I heard uh, Elaine Stritch doing it correctly, because uh, the, the first couple of takes are, they're just great. But then what I know, and, and the only way I know Ladies Who Lunch is what's on the album, you go, my God, and I have no ear for music, and really don't, I can't, I can't direct anything, and I heard what she did correctly, and they were right, and that's astounding, because everything was right. I, I know, it, it, it kind of blew me away, too. I thought, that first take, I would never see anything like that. Of course, right. Ever in my life. Shoot. I just, you know, I was ready to fall down dead, almost, and when I heard what they wanted, I thought that's the problem somewhere, that, but but I don't know how to get at it. Yeah. Right. Well, greater minds than ours, musically, and yeah, Mr. Shepard. That's, that's what no. I like, though, about filming, about not scripting films, uh, filming people when they do what they think they want to do, and you get to watch them and hear them. That's magic, you know. And scripted stuff loses something just because everybody tries to make it nice. Music plays an important role in several Documentary Now episodes. In season one, Fred Armisen and Bill Hader spoofed the Eagles with their fictional band, The Blue Jean Committee. Season two took on Jonathan Demme's concert documentary, Stop Making Sense with the Talking Heads. The Documentary Now version is called Final Transmission, with Armisen and Hader in the band Test Pattern. That's a mailbox on the corner, over here is a stop sign. There's a little grocery store, a man smiles and waves at me. A 
For the music and co-op, the filmmakers turned to composer Eli Bolin and orchestrator Mike Petri. And the brown and the beige and the brown and the beige and the brown. There's a nude by Abaddon just above the toilet. A naked guy with pubic hair and he's sort of, I won't spoil it. The right erotic art says I'm sexual but smart. And the brown and the beige and the brown and the beige and the brown. That's Renee Elise Goldsberry in Co-op. She was a star of Broadway's Hamilton. In November, she attended the Co-op premiere at Doc NYC, where Seth Meyers expressed his appreciation for her. I should say, the moment when someone like Renee signs on to an idea like this, this very idea of the show documentary now, from the very beginning, and we really celebrate the fact that IFC got behind it, it is a show for so few people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and, and, and... And so when you actually get genuinely uh, extremely talented people from the world that you're making this fake documentary about, it is, I mean, I can tell you that when the email went around that said you were uh, joining uh, us on this, it was just incredible for us. So that meant the world to us. What's so funny um, as a singer when when you're um, acting, as you know, you're playing a singer, is that question of um, how well, do you sing? <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And my ego always says, as good as I possibly can. <laughs> um, so that's really funny. So, But I was kind of playing with, um, you know, just kind of the things that make, because I knew this is a very inside, It's like it seems like an inside comedy slash inside theater audience. And so the beauty of that is the subtlety of the humor would really play. Like, so even whether I was covering a note or, or like belting it would be something that my audience would be watching for <laughs> and judging. And so, um, so that made it really kind of fun to do. I just felt like they set us up to um, be very, um, very inside in our, in our humor, which was great. Um, but yeah, I, um, I, you know, they worked really like they were, it was, it's a strange job <laughs> because the music is really hard. Like there was like, they cut it, but there were like 20 verses to that song. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, there's a lot of things that could be in a studio apartment. <laughs> <laughs> like how many metaphors can they find for tennis and co- it was like kind of amazing. And there was a lot of, you know, research that had to be done to know what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that was hard. And then, you know, music theater people are, you know, they're, this is what I find really interesting is that, and this is what I find, this makes me laugh so hard about this is that we are like such pathetic pleasers. Do you know what I mean? That's what I love about the watching, um, just knowing us and watching the company musical and then the way we did it is that there's this desperate need for, you know, to please these people, even though there's no point it's over, like it doesn't go away. And um, and so that's but that's reality and that's also like in the because in the in the reality I was desperately trying to please them <laughs> with this and that meant actually learning these lyrics because the other actors had learned them. At Doc NYC, Melania Myers talked about the process of mimicking Sondheim lyrics. They were asked if they wrote any song that didn't make the final show. There was a song, Seth and I were noodling on a song where multiple people are ordering Chinese food over yeah. the phone. <laughs> and it was basically like one person on the phone and a lot of people yelling out what they wanted. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of a you could drive a person crazy type number yeah. uh, where everyone was just saying what they wanted. Yeah. But even to just fit these songs in a lot, I mean, again, as Renee pointed out, there's a lot of dropped verses that 
you know, because all, I mean, you think a lot bigger, and then the reality is, what are they, 2130, I think? Um, you get down to time pretty quickly, and so you, is you have to cut things. Richard out. Kind has a small reprise during uh, Going Up where he says, all I ever wanted was to not be a doorman, and, which is, um, uh, he is a callback to a, a short uh, section in his song Doorman Tips, where he says, all I ever wanted uh, was to be in the majors. Uh, maybe play for the Yankees or look just like Paul Newman. Uh, <laughs> so it's a, the brief lament that he has repeated. But the uh, the album's going to have the full version. So Renee, your full uh, my home court is fantastic. <laughs> this, by the way, the other crazy versions. thing about this: this is the third full album we have generated from Documentary Now. There's a band called uh, Blue Jean Committee, and there is uh, a band Test called Pattern. Test Pattern. Yes. Yeah. So there have been, uh, uh, and there, uh, I mean. You know, for us, uh, you know, not to speak for John, but there is this thing where we, uh, because we came out of SNL, we wait until uh, almost the very last minute to write these scripts. Yeah. We kind of turn them in. They're not even formatted. It's like somehow, even with computers, they're on like loose leaf paper. And we just, <laughs> we give them to Alex and Reese. And in this case, uh, you know, also uh, uh, Eli. And, and you can't believe how they then take this attention to detail and give you back not just an incredible product, but incredible songs. So, Oh, yeah. I could only come up with uh, pure Sondheim uh, sound-alikes. Uh, not sound-alikes. Uh, uh, copies. Uh, 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 pl plagiarism. Uh, melodic, <laughs> melodic plagiarism. So I would go like, okay, this one is uh, something just broke from Assassins, and then uh, I need you to change the melody. And... <laughs> Then oh, I would do a voice memo with like my dog barking in the background, and he would uh, write an entirely new piece. And nothing's worse than the fact that John and I would just sing it into an iPhone. <laughs> we prefaced with an apology. Yeah, hey, uh, hey, sorry about this. Uh, uh, I can sing, but not right now. <laughs> Before we finish, I want to give the final words to Seth Meyers and D.A. Pennebaker, recorded last week. But I will say this, uh, genuinely. You know, uh, John, we all worked at SNL, and... Uh, a lot of that was based on, you know, what current events were. And, and I work on a show now. My talk show is very much about current events. And, and because of that, uh, tomorrow's show already has lost a lot of its value, uh, like a newspaper would. It's so great to work on something that will age very well. It'll you, stick around. Yeah, I mean, because this will... This pair, it's not like, oh, well, you know, 2018, uh, know, that was the year to write a co-op parody. <laughs> and so it is, and, that, and that's been true of everything we've done on this show, is that, you know, we did them about documentaries we loved that were timeless, and therefore, hopefully, the episodes we made will be as much fun for people to discover later on. And based on uh, the ratings, there's a lot of people left to discover. <laughs> It, uh, which is good. So I, you know, and 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 that's uh that's the part that's really uh, exciting. To see something stick around like this, and because of a lot of different things that people did in it, and not not because it was planned or anything, but you know, I, I I think when I look back on it, I I think how lucky we were because these were all the cameras were all homemade cameras, you know. I'm not kidding. We made our own cameras, <laughs> and we because we didn't like the cameras that you you used. Be, and it, it was it helped us be fluid and kind of mix around in that kind of thing. The the cast of thousands. So it was like, uh, I, I you know at the time, 
I, I thought, well, this is going to go out and be shown on some small station somewhere. I, I may, may see, never see it again. And when I see it like this, with the people who made it still willing to take, you know, to be with it, uh, that really makes me feel good. I want to thank D.A. Pennebaker and Fraser Pennebaker for providing us with original cast album company. Look for its restoration coming next year. Thanks to the teams at IFC TV and Documentary Now, especially Seth Meyers, John Mullaney, and Alex Buono. Thanks to performers Renee Elise Goldsberry, Alex Brightman, and Richard Kind, and to all the cast and crew of Company who came out for our screening. Documentary Now Season 3 is currently rolling out on IFC TV. Other episodes this season include takes on Wild Wild Country and Marina Abramovich, The Artist is Present, with Kate Blanchett as the artist. If you're in New York City, please join us on Tuesday nights for Pure Nonfiction at IFC Center. You can get more information on our website. Thanks to our team. Series producer, Hannah Nordenswan. Sound recordist, Eric Spink. And web designer, Cross Strategy. Our theme music is composed by Andre Williams. And our executive producer is Raphael Nehausen. I'm Tom Powers. You can follow me on Twitter at T-H-O-M Powers. Pure Nonfiction is distributed by the TIFF Podcast Network. You can read our show notes, learn about live events, and sign up for our newsletter at purenonfiction.net.